step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are looking live. Live and lunch. Live and lunch with Odd and Hanny on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. We'll do it live. Now. Here's Jimmy Ott and Charles Anagriff. Yeah, for some reason or another, you sound a little taller on radio. From Rafino's on Highland Road, welcome to the Friday edition of Live at Lunch, 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. I'm Charles Hanegriff. Max Gotro here with us at Rafino's. Mario Jerez back in the studio. And a busy Friday uh, to get to. Hope you're having uh, a nice morning. Uh, get into the weekend. Got some good weather, though it's uh, more than somewhat hot. But um, as we as we wind down, I say we wind down the summer. We're not winding down the heat. We're winding down the, the, the summer. Kids will be back in school before too much longer. LSU will be in camp by the time we do this show next week at this time. Jimmy might be back off of vacation. Who knows? <laughs> uh, and, of course, the Saints are already in camp. So uh, here's what we got uh, for you today. Uh, we'll have our report from Saints camp. Chris Ross Vogelu will be with us in hour number two. Big, I say big news. Uh, the, the significant news out of this morning's practice is Trevor Penning was back out there. They said it was a very minor deal yesterday, and it was. Uh, he was back out this morning. So we'll talk uh, with Chris, Bruce Marshall, uh, with uh, CBS uh, Sports and Vegas Insider will be with us in hour number two. Uh, Bruce was at... Uh, SEC media days, but also is very close to, you know, the Pac-12. They had their media days a week ago in Las Vegas. And less than a week later, uh, after uh, Kolokov said, well, you know, we, we feel real strong with our membership, Colorado bolted yesterday. Also, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame inductions are this weekend. Tim Brando, uh, Shreveport native, of course, and longtime sportscaster and a friend of the show, will be with us uh, in about a half an hour. We'll be talking about this year's club, but also uh, Tim obviously broadcasts uh, a ton of college sports and a lot of it in the Big 12, which added Colorado yesterday. I want to get Tim's thoughts on the future of that league plus the future of the Pac-12. So with all of that football stuff going on, we obviously start the show uh, – uh, with baseball because Jay Johnson uh, is once again tearing it up on the on the recruiting trail now listen the news that Luke Holman the Alabama right-hander uh, was transferring in that became somewhat official yesterday with multiple reports is not a galloping shock to to anybody that's been following it 
we put it in second class uh, Tuesday. Good with a chance to be great. We thought he was coming. In fact, I could have, I actually could have put that in second class for maybe the last three weeks. We thought there was, you know, LSU was the favorite. He was coming. All right. So yesterday they put that, uh, put that in the books. Um, Holman was for if you haven't been following college baseball at this time of year because you're you're in the football mode. I understand. So let's do a little refresher for those like who the hell is Luke Holman? Luke Holman was the hell uh, Friday night starter for Alabama last year. Uh, the numbers from a, an ERA and record standpoint are not going to blow you away, but the strikeout numbers should. He was 7-4 and four, uh, with a 367 ERA. He struck out 87 and walked 31 in 81 innings last year. Um, I like those two numbers, but I really like the number that he only gave up 54 hits. You give up 54 hits in 81 innings and you strike out 87, you have all together now swing and miss stuff. And Holman uh, is a top 50 to 60 prospect for next year's MLB draft, so he's already thought of as a very high pick and can move that number even higher. Why else do we like Luke Holman? He's right-handed. Wonder of wonders, this is actually an LSU pitching staff that is left-handed, if you look at it on paper right now, is left-handed dominant. And that just doesn't happen all that often. I mean, most of the time you're looking for left-handed pitchers. There's nobody. It's it's like I've said a million times, like $50 bills. You know, I'll take as many as you want to give me. But they're kind of hard to find, right? Well, they're pretty valuable. Holman uh, gives them a little bit more of a righty balance. And he has had now experience at the top of an SEC rotation, and that's just invaluable. Thatcher, I, I would put him along the lines of what Thatcher Hurd was when he came to LSU last year, but a little bit better. Why? Well, Thatcher Hurd was UCLA's number one pitcher, but two things. Number one, he hadn't pitched in the Southeastern Conference, and yeah, I'm sorry, it's a little bit different here. SEC fatigue if you want, but it's, it's different here. Just means more, just costs more. He Hurd had not pitched in those environments yet. And it clearly shook him up early. He had a good outing against Texas, but it took a while. And we kind of listen, this guy's got it. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. It's just going to take some time. It's going to take some time. they got to have him to get where they're going. And when he would go out and he was struggling against Nichols in, in April, it was like, you're, you're still holding the faith. Like good friends of mine saying, you, you still believe? Yes, yes, he's going to be fine. Just going to take a while. Might take till next year. And then what happened? In the last month of the season, Thatcher Hurd was as important to LSU as any player on the roster. Well, Holman comes having pitched in those situations before and with similar stuff. So your leg up there. The second leg up is that Thatcher Hurd was coming off of a major injury. He had missed all of the, well, the, most of the back end of his season, uh, last season at UCLA. And he had not been a pitcher his entire pre-college career so it took a little while and then what happened well Thatcher Hurd pitched uh in relief of Paul Skeens in the Wake Forest game and then he started the game three of the championship doesn't get any bigger than that so Holman is a recruit along the lines of what Thatcher Hurd was a year ago knowing how important Hurd was that's no small thing also an interesting footnote uh this is going to be put into the story somewhere, so you just soon know about it. Luke Holman had a role in 
getting uh, Brad Bohannon fired at Alabama through absolutely, positively, no fault of his own. But Luke Holman was scheduled to pitch for Alabama against LSU and Paul Skeens in the first game of that series. And Bohannon called his buddy up in Cincinnati and said, Holman is hurt. He's not pitching against Skeens. And that yo-yo tried to go put a hundred grand where the limit was probably, you know, one one hundredth of that at uh, a Cincinnati sports book. And <laughs> he was so covert about this thing that he held his cell phone camera, uh, his cell phone up for the cameras to see. Hey, look who he's talking to. He's trying to bet a hundred times the limit. He's on the phone with the Alabama coach. Maybe something's amiss here. And you know what happened after that. Bohannon got fired. Alabama's games got taken off the books. Holman is a monster ad for LSU. Now, it's not the only news uh, that we want to update you on. And I'm going to say update you on. Don't hold me to this, but everybody uh, in baseball right now wants to know about Braden Montgomery, the Stanford outfielder pitcher, and where uh, where he may end up. Montgomery, uh, last year for Stanford, was a switch-hitting outfielder that throws better than 95 miles an hour. Uh, there is a term for switch-hitting outfielders that throw 95 miles an hour that are scheduled to be top five picks in the Major League Baseball draft next year, and that word is coveted so when Montgomery uh, made it known that he was open to transferring and he still may end up back at Stanford but the tide is starting to switch a little bit Montgomery for the record hit 336 last year with 17 home runs and 61 runs batted in D1 baseball's got him as the number five college prospect entering 2023 and he's expected to go in the top five picks of next year's draft so if Luke Holman is a um is a Thatcher Hurd level of recruit, then I would say Braden Montgomery is a uh, a Tommy White slash Paul Skeens level of recruit because he's got Tommy White's hitting chops. He's not the power hitter that White was, but he's an excellent hitter. He is a top five prospect as a hitter. So when you look at what they accomplished and what they're moving over, adding Montgomery would be the equivalent of adding White, just a different type of hitter, but a similar state project. Uh, White is not looked at as a top five prospect in next year's NF, uh, in MLB draft. Skeens wasn't looked at as a top five pick when LSU signed him. He was looked at as a high prospect with an enormous ceiling, but he was not, when he hit the LSU campus, expected to be the number one pick in the draft. This kid might be. So he's somewhat of a combination between where White was and where Skeens was. Is he coming to LSU? There are people that I trust that say they got a good shot. It's been very, very tight-lipped on Montgomery for the better part of the last month. I would have told you three weeks ago that I thought that Montgomery was at best a 50-50 shot to get to LSU. Um, now I would tell you I consider the odds to be considerably better than that. I am not ready to say that this is done, but if it happened, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Montgomery is from Madison, Mississippi. He went to Madison Central High School, so there is uh, the school of thought that he wants to get closer to home. Mississippi State is certainly in the mix here. 
But I ask you, if you were going to transfer closer to home where your family could see you play and you had the choice of going to Mississippi State right now or LSU right now, which program is in better shape? Well, LSU just won a national championship, which Mississippi State did uh, three seasons ago. But Chris Lamanis went, I mean, he's trying to do an Ed Ogeron impression up there. He's trying to national championship to job on the line in two short seasons. Mississippi State is a great baseball program. You won't hear me say uh, otherwise. There's a ton of tradition there. They've got a tremendous facility. They play in the best league. But who's in better shape to win next year? That ain't even close. Johnson is putting together. So, so when you add this to uh, Mac Bingham, who was also a Tommy White level uh, transfer, uh, he was Arizona's leading. Again, not the power numbers, but just as a as a hitter, he's made 169 starts at Arizona, and last year he hit 360 with 20 doubles and 10 homers. Well, that's another Tommy White level of recruit, although not the same type of player. You add Montgomery uh, to uh, Bingham and Holman and Gage Jump, the UCLA left-hander who had Tommy John surgery, kept him out uh, last season, but as a freshman had you know, really encouraging numbers, 22 strikeouts in 16 in the third innings. Again, swing and miss stuff. Uh, somebody that they think has enormous potential. And listen, last year's transfer portal haul for Jay Johnson included the number one pick in the draft in Paul Skeens, included Tommy White, who ended up, lead, ended up leading the nation in RBIs. He'd come up one or two short or whatever. I think you know what Tommy, Tommy Tanks meant to the team this year. And Thatcher Hurd, who started slow and finished like a monster, this class is starting to look a little bit like that at the time. Don't I'm not trying not to put too much pressure on these kids uh, to say that Luke Holman's got to be Thatcher Hurd. Well, if he's Thatcher Hurd the way Thatcher Hurd was in February and March, Thatcher Hurd struggled. Luke Holman, you know, does he start out higher than that? Mac Bingham, does he, you know, start out the way Tommy White did or finish the way Tommy White did? The numbers are there. And then Braden Montgomery would be a Paul Skeens level recruit if they get him. Could happen today. Could be, you know, a few more days. Could be another week. Again, it's been pretty tight-lipped. But it looks a lot better than it did a month ago. That's all I can tell you. So, baseball, you're briefed. Um, Jay Johnson's going to have a lot of hard decisions. The rosters are still at 40. You got another year of the, the, the COVID break, but he's got more than 40 players right now, and they're, they're going to have to make some, some tough decisions. That just means that the level of competition in fall, in, in you know, leading into fall baseball and in fall baseball, going to be fierce. Fierce. They got some, they got some dudes. They're going to be, and then that's plus what you got coming back. I mean, Hurd and White uh, are back again. You know, freshmen like Paxton Kling and Jared Jones, who had promising, albeit uh, limited, freshman years. All of the catchers are back. Going to be loaded, y'all. Anyway, just thought I'd pass all that along. What else would you start, uh, you know, a, a 
a pre-football show. Start with LSU baseball. It's been a really good last 24 hours with potentially more to come. We're here at Rafino's on Highland Road. Invite you to come on out. The shrimp and eggplant fra diavolo is one of your appetizer features today. This is the uh, the eggplant with the blackened gulf shrimp and the spicy tomato cream sauce. I'll be honest with you, this is a new one on me, but one of my favorite dishes here off the menu is shrimp fried Diablo. So if you're going to throw a little eggplant in there, I'm in. Smoked pork bellies uh, with the jalapeno corn cakes, also appetizer feature today. The seared filet tips, uh, the uh, seared garlic butter filet tips also on your uh, appetizer feature today. And your entree features the pork chop morcella with wild mushrooms and the veal sorrentino um, uh, with the mozzarella. The grilled salmon piccata also on your uh, Entree features today, the Rafino's Old Elk among your beverage, uh, your On the Rocks pour there. And uh, they're going to whip something up uh, here for dessert, get you uh, get you with that. It's also restaurant week uh, here at Rafino's as it is throughout there on the $60, cor- $60 uh, dollar, uh, tier. The first course, you got your cha- choice between the shrimp and egg parent, Fra Diablo that I just told you, the seared filet tips and the sp- pork bellies. Uh, your second court course includes a shrimp and butternut squash bisque and the third course uh, the grilled salmon piccata the veal sorrentino or the pork chops morsala that's on the 60 dollar tier here at rafino's for restaurant week we'll take a break uh, here at rafino's this is live at lunch 104.5 espn baton rouge live at lunch Live at lunch with Ott and Hanny from Rafino's on Highland Road on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Back here at Rafino's. Come on out and celebrate Restaurant Week uh, with us here with a three-course meal on the $60 tier at Rafino's. Did you uh, did you see the play with Joe Burrow yesterday mm-hmm. in Bengals training camp? Uh, Max, I'll be honest with you. I heard the um, I heard the report friend of mine texted me and said, what's up with Joe? And I'm like, I don't know. I've been doing something else for the last 45 minutes. And I said, thing, calf injury. I'm like, oh, well, that's not too serious. Then I saw it. And anytime you get a, an injury that's non-contact, you immediately go, uh-oh. And if I hadn't been told before I saw it that it was a calf injury, I looked at it and went, uh-oh. Did he just pop his Achilles because he was – he was hopping around. Did you see the play? I did, yeah, yeah. rolling out to his right. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is he was wearing a, a compression sleeve on the calf, which right. he had not been doing. So it seemed like maybe there was a little bit of tightness beforehand. Uh, Zach Taylor did not elaborate on it. But it's interesting that he was wearing that compression sleeve, and then he pulls up with a calf strain there. Apparently everything is going to be okay, yeah. but the Bengals uh, organization held a collective breath there for a minute. Saints camp uh, this morning, the third day of camp. The good news was that Trevor Penning was back out uh, at camp today after missing yesterday what they called a minor foot injury. The only major omissions from today's uh, uh, camp were Ryan Ramchek and Cesar Ruiz, who were both given what was a scheduled off day. What day is today? <laughs> today's, what, what, what day is today? today? It's day three, right? Scheduled off day on day three? You practice two days, there's two on, one off. Uh, okay. Ramchek can do whatever he wants, okay? Guy's an elite tackle. Reese, I would, I would prefer he goes to practice, but, hey, 
scheduled off day. Uh, that's fine. I'm just glad to see Penning uh, was back out there. One of the, and we'll have a, a complete report with Chris Rosvoglu in the second hour today. One of the uh, one of the battles that we're watching, and I'm calling it a battle mostly for backup spots, is at linebacker for the Saints. Demario Davis and Pete Werner are going to be your starters, uh, but Werner missed a significant amount of time last year which opened the door for Caden Ellis to really emerge for New Orleans, and then he signed with Atlanta as a free agent. So who better to ask about this stuff than Demario Davis about what the Saints linebackers might look like? Uh, first of all, he talked about uh, his relationship uh, with Pete Werner. Playing with Pete Werner has been a, uh, an incredible blessing for me as a linebacker. You want to be able to play somebody who's, number one, a smart football player, number two, that's tough, and number three, that can make plays. And he's a triple threat in that regard. Since he's gotten here, he's played way above his uh, tenure. And so excited for him and uh, what it looks like to be his trajectory of his career. Um, looking forward to him to be able to put together uh, a strong year, and, and it's going to be big for us. We need it. And it's, it's, it's definitely great to have a linebacker like him in the locker room. Watching Pete Werner, there, there's nothing I don't like about his game. I like him uh, in uh, I like him in coverage. I like him as a as a run stuffer. Nothing I don't like about his, his game, other than uh, you're worried about him being able to stay healthy and stay on the field, which everybody. But he missed a significant amount of time last year. More uh, importantly, is who steps up behind those guys, and this is what Davis had to say about that. We've got a good group of guys in the locker room. I know a lot of praise goes to me and Pete, um, but we got some other guys who, who've been here and put in a lot of work. Um, Andrew Dye, who's been phenomenal, providing depth for a long time. I think he's entering his fifth season here. Uh, Zach Bond uh, has been phenomenal. Uh, we got some young guys who, who haven't hit the field as much, but look very explosive and smart guys and definitely putting in the work. Uh, Nephi, D-Jack. So I think we're in good, we're in good hands in that room. Bond's the guy that interests me the most. When the Saints took him, they got him way behind what some of his initial draft projections were going to be, and it looked like they got a steal. And then early in his career in New Orleans, he kind of struggled, particularly in coverage, but he was very good on special teams, and that's why he was able to maintain his roster spot. If he can take the next step uh, and become a more, more of a part, especially if anything were to happen to one of the top guys, I think that there's, uh, you know, a, there's a, a room for growth. There's some upside there to Zach Bond. So he's the one I'm most interested in uh, in seeing. So we're talking about depth behind uh, the, uh, the the first two linebackers. The other uh, place that we're looking at uh, for depth purposes is a wide receiver, assuming, and this is a big assumption, that Mike Thomas will be able to stay healthy and Chris Olave uh, making his move in the second year and Raheed, Shali, uh, Raheed Shahid, with you know a breakout season a year ago, the competition is up there uh, for who else steps up uh, and becomes the... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Fifth, and maybe even the sixth if they keep that many receivers on this roster. Uh, Chris Olave was asked about all the weapons that the Saints have on the outside and who he likes. We got so many weapons. We got we're so explosive on offense, and we got a great defense. Uh, we had a great defense last year, but uh, with the weapons we added on offense and uh, having a year under the belt with playing playing with the guys last year, uh, I feel like uh, it just allowed us to, to build chemistry and uh, going into this year uh, ready ready to explode. Here's my deal. Um, number one, I don't know if Thomas is going to stay healthy. If Olave is, is completely capable of being a number one receiver, he was last year for New Orleans. But if he's the number two, or if they're co-ones, or however you want to say it, this opens up so many more things in the Saints offense. The second thing is that because of his special teams and his blocking work, uh, Traquan Smith is considered a lock to, to make this team by a lot of people. I would like to see him catch the football some more. I, I would like to see another uh, added um, – I, I would like to see another weapon, another option uh, for the Saints in that outside passing game. So going to, you know, ha- keep an eye uh, on that. I like the rookie from Wake Forest a little bit. At least I liked what I saw of him at Wake Forest. So – yeah, there's a possibility there, and he's certainly no lock to make uh, make the team either. So a few notes out of Saints camp before we get to uh, Chris uh, Rosvoglu in our number two. We're here at Rafino's. We're also brought to you in part by Louisiana Health and Injury Centers, helping you deal with pain. Dr. Michael Goff and his staff have done a fantastic job uh, with our family. You know, when you got back pain, when you got uh, soreness, when you got old injuries uh, from athletics or a car accident or something else that's restricting your range of motion, maybe uh, preventing you from getting a good night's sleep. Let the professionals do for you what they've done for us, which is target those areas and get you to feeling better. Whether it be electric nerve stimulation, cryotherapy, dry needling, they're going to pinpoint those areas that are giving you the most problems. They're going to get you into a program that's going to get you to feeling better. You know, for, for me at times, it's been just uh, getting some exercise and stretching in that uh, will loosen some things up and get you to feeling better. Airline Highway, Plank Road and Jefferson Highway near Drusilla, three locations of Louisiana Health and Injury Center. Dr. Michael Goff. We'll take a break. Uh, Tim Brando with us uh, from the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame when we return. Live at lunch from Rafino's 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Live at lunch. Live at lunch with Otten Hanny from Rafino's on Highland Road on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Uh, back here at Rafino's for Live at Lunch. The uh, Rafino's participation here in Restaurant Week. The three-course uh, dinner there on the $60 tier here. Your first course is shrimp and eggplant fra diavolo. Uh, that's uh, the eggplant with the black and gold shrimp, the spicy tomato cream sauce. I love the shrimp fra diavolo here. Looking forward to trying it with the eggplant uh, as well. The smoked pork bellies with the jalapeno corn cakes, the seared filet tips, the seared garlic butter filet tips here. The second course, the shrimp and butternut squash Bisque, uh, and then your third course is uh, your choice between the pork chops marsala, 
grilled salmon piccata with sautéed spinach in the veal sorrentino uh, all of those here at Rafino's, and we got uh, if you want to get them uh, individually uh, if you're just sitting down uh, here with us at uh, lunch uh, at the bar or in the restaurant uh, you can order those things individually we're waiting for tim brando to finish up with uh, one of the events that they're doing. Louisiana Sports uh, Hall of Fame, the the entire weekend, we had a chance to visit yesterday with Paul Bird. Uh, the inductees go through a, a whole plethora of uh, e- events. Uh, you know, yesterday was the welcome reception. Today uh, is the uh, the Riverfest, the bowling bash, and then tomorrow uh, the uh, they do a roundtable at lunch. They do uh, something with the kids. They call it a junior training camp tomorrow, and then the induction ceremonies are uh, tomorrow night. So this year's class, uh, a ten field, uh, a ten person class. That included, uh, you know, the LSU contingent, Paul Bird, Walter Davis, the uh, outstanding track and field star for LSU, Wendell Davis, a longtime record holder in the LSU uh, receiving books, Paul Maneri, the former uh, LSU baseball coach, national champion, Uh, and then the uh, non-LSU portion of the class, Eli Manning. Yeah, I think think we're all – I'm I'm very disappointed that Jimmy's not here to give us an entire – you know, dissertation on the career of Eli Manning. I'm sure he would have been great with that. Uh, Ron Washington, uh, the longtime uh, Major League Baseball player and coach. M.L. Woodruff, the record-setting Parkview Baptist baseball coach. Matt Forte, uh, the Tulane uh, star who uh, had a, a nice career in the NFL with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Alana Beard, uh, the women's basketball standout who played collegiately at Duke. And Walter Imahara who was a champion weightlifter uh, back in his time and is uh, 87 years old, uh, is being inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll turn things around here. Uh, We'll take a short break, and then I think they'll be done uh, with what they're doing when we get back uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame up in Natchitoches. This is Live at Lunch, 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Live at Lunch. Infinity of Baton Rouge. Accurate in Infinity of Baton Rouge on Airline Highway. You know, when we've been doing our shopping uh, for vehicles, really the last three times that we have done that, we've gone to Infinity and gotten into the certified pre-owned program. I love it. Uh, because the first thing is you're going to get a transparency in pricing. You're going to be very comfortable with the inventory that they have. And also, you know, your specific uh you know, wants in a vehicle, you're going to be able to find something that uh, fits all of what you're looking for on the lot. Then you get into the bonuses. They've been through such a great inspection that you're going to have a 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. You're going to have courtesy uh, vehicle when you do bring your car in for service. You're going to have the first year of maintenance taken care of and courtesy roadside assistance for you and all of the certified pre-owns at Acura and Infinity. Right now with the new Infinities, the QX80s, $8,500 off, and there's a $2,000 loyalty bonus on all new Infinities. And 2.9% APR is available on select models. It's where we shop. I recommend them highly. On Airline Highway, Acura and Infinity of Baton Rouge. Live at lunch with Odd and Hanny from Rafino's on Highland Road on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge.
back here at Rufino's Live at Lunch. There's a lot going on uh, up at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame right now. So we're, we're going to make a pinch hit uh, right here. Uh, Tim Brando uh, working uh, one of the events right now. Uh, but we do have one of the inductees uh, this week. Uh, and Ron Washington joins us right now. Ron was born uh, in New Orleans and played uh, with the Dodgers, the Twins, the Orioles, the Indians, and the Astros. Also was a manager of the Texas Rangers. Two World Series appearances for Texas and uh, currently a coach with the Atlanta Braves. Ron, thanks so much uh, for joining us here today. How are you? Well, I'm doing well, and thank you guys for having me on. Uh, you know, I, I got to ask what this means for you to be inducted in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, this, uh, this is a star-studded class, and I know you're, you're happy to be a part of it. So congratulations on your induction. What does this uh, honor mean to you? Well, it's... You know, at first when they called me, it was a wild moment. Um, I was just a young kid running behind a baseball in the city of New Orleans, never having a dream that I would become a part of any Hall of Fame. So it's humbling. Um, I'm, I'm very, very, very humbled by this experience. And, you know, I haven't had a chance to meet Eli yet. Uh, so um, I'm just taking in all the action right now and enjoying the moment. And uh, maybe it'll hit me at another time. But right now, I'm just enjoying that. Ron, you, you spent 50 years uh, in in professional baseball. So, you know, some of the things that you've seen since you went uh, with, with the Royals back in 1970, you've literally uh, seen it all. You know, I want to go back to, to your time with the Texas Rangers uh, okay. and in back-to-back World Series. And, you know, those are career highlights to be able to manage in the World Series. What stands out to you uh, from those two seasons with Texas? Well, what stands out for me is the, the attitude, the commitment, and the effort and the belief that the, the group that I had had. Um, they, they were a group that just would not be denied. And in 2010, um, we had every one of our starters make a start. And that's unheard of. In uh, 2011, um, I remember us getting twice one pitch away from being uh, the winners of the World Series, but it didn't happen. But more than anything, I remember the group and how they went about their business and how they just wouldn't be denied and how they wouldn't let their teammates be denied, how accountable they were to each other. And, you know, the joy that they really had in going out there every day playing baseball uh, for people to uh, – have a great moment and a memory out of. You also had two stints as a coach with the with the Oakland A's, and one of those stints was right through the heart of the Moneyball era. I read the book. I've seen the movie. Um, what was it like to to live in the A's organization that had all that success uh, and really kind of changed the way analytics were used in baseball at the time? Well, you know that was the norm. Um, for us, really, when you think about it, um, we pitched, we played defense, uh, we, we slugged, and we got on base. And at the time we was going through that, uh, we was just looking at it as that's the makeup of our team. But then when you looked at it, uh, we won consistently. We didn't go deep into the playoffs, but we always were in the playoffs uh, at least six, seven years in a row. So um, it was the norm. It's like work. If you do a work with consistency, it's no longer work. It becomes what you do. Well, we consistently talked about on-base percentage. Um, we didn't do a whole lot of bunting. We didn't do a whole lot of hitting and running. 
Um, we valued every base that was out there. Uh, we valued the, the base on balls, and we valued the slugs. And Billy Bean and his group made certain that they got us players that could create the value we was trying to create. And see, people missed that. We got players that could do the things that we wanted to have happen on our team. Ron Washington is our guest inductee into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. Ron, in the movie, uh, some of the funniest lines belong to the character that played you about trying to teach Scott Hatterberg how to play first base. Uh, you know, some you know some of the expressions that he had uh, made made me laugh out loud. Um, so I got to ask. Uh, is that real or is that Hollywood? Did you really teach Scott Hatterberg how to play first base? Yep, that's real. And um, the meeting with Scott Hatterberg was real. The only thing was it wasn't at his house. It was in the manager's office in Phoenix Municipal Stadium. And that conversation was had. And my answer wasn't as politically correct as they had it in the movie. <laughs> I used a few choice words. But I did say it. It's going to be hard. But the key to that conversation, which I hope people caught, was how quick Billy Bean came back when I said, it's incredibly hard. And then he came back within a split second saying, everything that you want to do that's worth doing is incredibly hard. (laughs) He didn't expect that I was going to say that it was going to be tough. He thought I was going to agree with him. (laughs) Well, and I like I love the line after that when you said, uh, he said, what about the reaction of the fans? And you're like, yeah, maybe I can teach one of them how to play first base. <laughs> I, 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 th- I thought it was really funny um, in, in the in the movie. So it's, co- it's cool to hear that, you know, a lot of that actually – happened it, it wasn't uh it wasn't all hollywood i i gotta tell you i was a little disappointed in the movie that they didn't point out that you know you guys had barry zito and mark Mulder and, and, and you know hudson, tim hudson, tim hudson. Yeah, yeah. you know it's a pretty good ball club uh, it wasn't yeah, all scott yeah. hatterberg and, and no, david justice no. but those Ron, guys were the guys that created the tone for what the movie was about you know the own base percentage the slugging and, and stuff like that. But you need pitching and you got to play defense, and we certainly did that. Ron, uh, your first World Series championship came two years ago as a, as a coach with the Atlanta Braves, and you're still with that organization having a phenomenal year. So it, take me back to uh, the, the 2021 season and what made that team special and uh, putting together a, another strong run here could very easily uh, win another title this year. Well, I think what made that, that team special is um, our pitching certainly hit their stride at the right time. You know, um, when we, we won 88 games, and then when we got into the playoffs, I was starting rotation every night. Every night got us to the sixth inning. And we had a three-headed monster in Mentor, Massick, and Smitty. And they were performing at their best at that time. And when we brought those three guys in, the game was shut down. Um, that was what was special. Uh, we won 88 games and seemed like uh, everything fell into place. We had battled the Dodgers three years prior, and, and they beat us every time. So we was battle-tested as far as playing the Dodgers go. You know, we started with the Milwaukee Brewers, and they beat us the first game, and they was looking toward the Dodgers, and they got caught. And um, But uh, I, I do believe, just like in 2010 when I was with Texas, 
we didn't get those that one out we needed. I do believe that we was destined in 88 because we was playing baseball as well as anyone could play baseball at the right time. And that three-headed monster I mentioned, uh, they were getting it done, and our starting pitchers was getting us through six every night. Ron Washington, we thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us. Congratulations on your induction in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. We'll take a break here at uh, Rafino's. Uh, come back, uh, Bruce Marshall, at the top of the hour. This is Live at Lunch, 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Live at Lunch with Ott and Hanny from Rafino's on Highland Road on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Back here at Rafino's for Restaurant Week. The $60 uh, tier here at Rafino's includes the shrimp and eggplant, eggplant fried diavolo and smoked pork bellies, plus the seared filet tips, all your choices for the first course. Shrimp and butternut squash bisque for your second course and your third course. The choices between the pork chop marsala, grilled salmon piccata, and the veal sorrentino here at Rufino's. Uh, come on by and see us for lunch. Get any of these items for lunch uh, as well. Restaurant week here in Baton Rouge. Joining us now uh, is Bruce Marshall. Of course, uh, Bruce, a uh, long time contributor to the program now with CBS uh, and also with Vegas Insider. Bruce, uh, good afternoon or good morning where you are. How are you? Hey, pretty good. I'm actually in uh, California uh, this morning. I went and watched a soccer game last night. AC Milan and Juventus played over in Carson where the Chargers played for a couple of years. So that was kind of cool. But uh, and uh, it's, there's all these. Uh, there's a nice soccer tour going on out here. Uh, AC Milan and Juventus, Real Madrid, Manchester United's been out here. So, kind of fun. Bruce, uh, last week we were wrapping up SEC Media Days, and we it was Pac-12 Media Days were going on as we did the show. We said we would double back to the Big 12 Media Days uh, this week. And now, of course, it ties in with the the Pac-12 or what's left of the Pac-12 media days that were going on out there. Yesterday, Colorado making the expected step. It was not uh, any surprise to anybody that was following this. When the Colorado contingent hot-footed it out of Vegas without taking too many questions, you could see the writing on the wall. So I ask you, what is the future for l- – let me start with the Big 12, the 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 obvious question is, do they take the next step and go after even more Pac-12 teams? Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are on the block. Is the Big 12 going to have a rigorous pursuit of those schools? Uh, yes, and then that might be cast even a little further from what we're reading, Charlie. Um, <clears throat> apparently, uh, a, a UConn might actually be on the radar, radar too which seems a little surprising after their basketball success, but they still play football there. And, um, and they would like to get their football team, which has been competing as an independent lately, uh, you know, into a league if they could. Uh, so that's a possibility as well, but I don't think they're going to stick at 13 on the big 12, especially since apparently they're offering full shares of their upcoming media deal, uh, to the teams, the schools that are coming in, which Colorado is going to get, I give their, um, I give their their uh, commissioner Brett Yarmark, who just came in uh, from Bob Bowlesby not long ago and inherited a league that looked like it was teetering, 
after the Texas and Oklahoma decision uh, and has instead solidified things. He worked quickly to get a new media deal, which is uh, uh, maybe not spectacular, but not bad. And it's lent some security to all of that loop. He's expanded the league already. Now he's added another school in Colorado. They're not done yet. They're not going to stay at 13, uh, Charlie. The thing is, do they go to 14? Do they go to 16? I maintain that something could still happen here in the next month because the Pac-12, all of the schools there, there's only this next upcoming season to go in their current media deal, and they are more free to move. And there's been some chatter about Arizona really thinking about this hard, and I can't imagine Arizona and Arizona State not going together wherever they go. Um, And you, you read up the newspapers in the Pacific Northwest this morning, uh, there won't I mean the Washington and Oregon people are wondering, you know, where do we go? Um, maybe we should give the Big 12 a call. It's not done yet. And I don't I think the one thing I can say for sure is the Big 12 is not just going to stay at 13. They're going to 14 or 16 uh, pretty quick, I think. If it doesn't work out with the Pac-12 schools, uh, is there any interest at all? In SMU, I know we've heard about SMU to the uh, to the Pac-12 possibly or the Pac whatever they end up. But what about them? In the, I know they've got plenty of Texas schools already. But any interest in SMU there? Possibly. Um, I, I think SMU's got a lesser buyout from out of the American than say San Diego State would, um, and from the Mountain West. Um, and it's possible though. SMU's been talked about, like you say, from the Pac-12. Uh, the Big 12 already, and they're, they're looking sort of, you know, to annex some new markets and new things. And, and the SMU brand maybe doesn't have the name it used to have. It's also in the Metroplex. They've already got TCU there, and that's sort of already in the TV footprint. So I think that's sort of a fallback. And I don't, I don't know that that would be something the Big 12 would look at and, 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 and make a priority right now. It's more, I think, if the Pac-12 can somehow – gather itself uh, but uh, the question for smu and san diego state and the others is do we really do we want to hook up with the pac-12 right now and we're not sure about the existing schools sticking around there what are we getting ourselves into so it's possible but i think unlikely with the smu thing to the big 12 at least so let's talk about the pack whatever uh, it ends up being this is classic to me chicken and the egg bruce George Klyovkov, who has had a disastrous tenure so far as commissioner at the Pac-12, not all his fault, but some of it, he's got to bear the responsibility, particularly with that alliance that he went into with the Big Ten and the ACC, which the Pac-12 got absolutely nothing out of. But he now is charged with trying to get a television deal when he can't go to any television partner and say, I have a league with this many teams. He can't guarantee them Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah any more than he could guarantee them Colorado a week ago. So without that, I don't know how he negotiates a TV deal. And I don't know how he goes back to his member schools that will all be free agents after this season and tells them, yes, you can stay because we have a TV deal if he doesn't have one. So what does he do? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Boy, uh, I think he's missed the boat already, and the Pac-12 has missed the boat. They needed to move quicker, um, and they, they've dilly-dallied, and they've put themselves in this position. A good point you make about, I mean, these schools being free agents coming up. Remember, although these are academic institutions, the athletics uh, end of it is very much commercial-driven. Um, it's 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 a business. It's a real business, and so it, it is. Uh, they these schools would be derelict not to look at other options and 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 i don't know what Klavkov's going to be able to do uh with these networks the tv networks are not fools and i've been reading some things like well maybe they can swing pac-12 might make a move for colorado state to get the denver market i no, i don't think colorado state gets you denver the, the broncos get you denver um maybe some colorado not necessarily colorado state tv network guys are not fools and and they're a little bit squeezed now too charlie we've talked about this before i mean the traditional, I mean, the cable TV deals, and they're, look what ESPN's had to do uh, lately here with, with the layoffs and things. I mean, it's not quite the salad days on that end either, and the streaming rights are not really working like they thought they would, uh, certainly in the Pac-12's case. I don't know what Klavkov does, and I think that's why it's a lot of bluster that he he offered last week that the, the longer the Pac-12 waits, the better. I don't see how that's there and and these schools like i say would be derelict the athletic departments which are commercial entities for not exploring other options right now and it looks like there's some better options for all of them almost on the table than the pack than the pack 12 usually there's a reason when a commissioner says hey we want to keep the focus on football it's because he doesn't want to talk about something else let me ask you about san diego state because to me they left the aztecs out there hanging out to dry San Diego State had sent a letter to the Mountain West that they were leaving, and that was in order to beat the deadline that would increase their buyout to $34 million if they waited another month. So the Mountain West took that as we're leaving, so they were moving on. Then San Diego State had to come back probably because they didn't have a deal done with the Pac-12 like they thought they did and said, no, 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 we're staying Please send us our TV money, which was, I think, $6.6 million. And the Mountain West made them pick up all of the legal fees because of that. Now San Diego State is stuck in the, in the Mountain West, and maybe the best place for them, for at least the next two years, unless they pay a $34 million exit fee. I thought that you lose these three teams, you plug San Diego State in, you're back to the Pac-12 moniker, and you have a sellable league. Not a Power 5 league but maybe something that would be more on par with what the original American was when Louisville was still uh, a member there. But that option appears to be out the window for a lot of reasons, not the least of which, Bruce, is not all the Pac-12 members were all that excited about adding San Diego State in the first place. That's right, and Pac-12 dragging its feet, and most of the blame, from what we hear, Stanford and Cal, though I, I, I think they could have been overridden. I, I, I don't know that it's just a simple, uh, it has to be an absolute uh, majority. It might be just a simple majority to, to accept somebody in there. But this is not the first time Stanford and Cal have, have offered resistance. Back in the 70s, they put up a real stink about getting Arizona and Arizona State over from the then WAC. And um, that was one of the first, like, real conference uh, switches, uh, you know, and that's 40-some years ago. But uh, we heard they really were not thrilled about San Diego State. They looked down their nose at the California State schools, and that would mean San Jose, Fresno, San Diego, Long Beach, and the others. 
So that's, yeah, I mean, th- th- you, you mentioned that buyout San Diego State had paneled exit penalty from the Mountain West. July 1 was the uh, uh, deadline day where that jumped, doubled from literally 17 to $34 million. And that is not a place where that is as flush in cash. Uh, and they've just had to finance a new stadium there. I mean, they, they don't necessarily have a donor network that's going to step in like they might somewhere else at Texas A&M or even SMU that would pay that off. So they're stuck in the Pac-12, again, dragging its feet on this thing. They had to move a lot quicker, and they didn't. But they haven't they haven't seen the punches telegraphed the whole way, and this is, this is the complaint about Klavkov, and it goes back to him asleep at the wheel last year when USC and UCLA made the move because he apparently had no clue that was coming, and that is something a conference commissioner has to be clued into a bit better. All right, let's 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 take it another step. Let's say that the Arizona schools in Utah do end up in the Big 12, and Stanford, I think, could probably carve out a niche where they would be a football and basketball independent, maybe something similar to what BYU did. Wouldn't be perfect, but they'd be able to survive. I don't know what Cal would do. This leaves the Washington and Oregon schools, specifically UW and Oregon, which are very strong brands, but they'd be a man without a country. They don't have a soft landing spot. They'd walk backwards to the Big Ten if the Big Ten would allow that. But USC would raise seven kinds of hell because they went to the Big Ten with the, you know, with the assurance that it would be them, UCLA, and nobody else on the West Coast. So where would that lead the schools in the Pacific Northwest? Well, uh, yeah, and I and I think the USC could get overruled with that if if the Big Twelve, if the Big Ten decided to go that way. But uh, I, the Big Ten, from what we hear, doesn't want to get any more blood on its hands with this thing, this conference shuffle than it already has by pulling SC and UCLA out, which was a uh, almost a lethal blow for the Pac-12. If they're going to make a move, they would wait until the Pac-12 self-immolates. And then all of a sudden, Oregon and Washington, which are sellable brands, and they do bring another uh, swath in, and it'd be kind of, you know, getting the Oregon thing in there with Nike and all wouldn't be a bad thing. Then they might make a move for the Oregon and Washington. The the question for Oregon and Washington, though, is, you know, there's no guarantee of that. Maybe we should make a call to the Big 12. And like I said, reading reading uh, uh, this morning some of the uh, Seattle Times and some of the papers up in the Northwest, they're floating that possibility. Hey, maybe this is just, that might be the best deal you can get if the Pac-12 really does self-immolate here. So you're right. They, they are the two that are really out there um, and, and could be stuck in no man's land. I do think more than likely Washington State and Oregon State, if the Pac-12 does disintegrate, they, they land in the Mountain West which is actually sitting in a pretty good position right now in its spot, uh, back in the queue a little bit. But, I mean, they're not in nearly the danger the Pac-12 is right now, and that's sort of an interesting twist uh, for, you know, these conferences west west of uh, the Rockies. We live in a world where there will soon be conference games played between UCLA and Rutgers and maybe Oregon and West Virginia. Okay, cool. Twenty twenty eight hundred miles. You know, it's 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 an easy bus ride. Bruce, let's get to some games. Uh, MLB today: uh, Yankees, uh, Twins, Mariners, uh, and maybe a total in the uh, Rangers Padres game. Yeah, I would. The Yankees are in Baltimore tonight. Uh, Garrett Cole, slight favorite um, on the road. I would normally never 
this year, Baltimore has offered so much better value than the Yankees. Um, and the Yankees are in trouble uh, in the American League East with a lot of these other teams in a full gallop. they got to pick it up like right now. However, tonight the pitching matchup, at least the starting pitching matchup, I have to lean to the Yankees there with Garrett Cole. Um, a consistently good 2.59 ERA since the start of June. And he gives them their best chance to win whenever he steps out there. Grayson Rodriguez, I was actually in St. Pete. We went to that game when we were down in Florida last week. Saturday, he didn't pitch all that bad against the Rays, although they, they were hitting him pretty hard. They weren't getting enough guys on base. Um, but his ERA is still 6.91 this year. He's, this is only his third start since they were called him. As long as the Yankees' bullpen can hang in there tonight, and this doesn't become a bullpen game where it would be advantage Orioles, I could see giving the Yankees at a slight price, minus price with Cole tonight a shot. Cleveland tonight is in Chicago to place the White Sox, play the White Sox. I think the, the Chai Sox now are a go against. I mean, the recent re- results reflect that. They've lost their last six. They've lost eight of nine. They are most definitely a seller at the deadline. There is more to come. They've moved Lucas Giolito the other night. There's talk uh, another pitcher or two, possibly Dylan Cease could be on the move. Tim Anderson is apparently on the block. It looks like a very unsteady situation right now. They're now for the pale hose, and their their recent performances reflected. They lost last night, first game of the series. Cleveland, I think we're setting up for a great stretch drive in the Central with the Twins. It's a bullpen game tonight. Uh, with Curry getting the start, but uh, Terry Francona is comfortable with that. Not a bad price uh, with Cleveland. Uh, Minnesota will take a shot with them on the run line. Sonny Gray, 2-0-0-8-2 ERA versus Kansas City this season. You can always make a case to go against the Royals. Lost 7-8 in their latest slump here. And like I said, Minnesota's got to keep winning because it's going to be a great stretch drive with Cleveland. And Seattle is another side here tonight. Uh, they won their last four starts made by Logan Gilbert. Uh, they did win two of three in Minnesota this week. They're going to have to uh, play with some urgency now because, like I said, these other AL West wildcard contenders are starting to be in full gallop right now. They can't afford to fall too much further behind. Uh, Tommy Henry's last two, through a uh, couple starts since the All-Star break for Arizona have been bad. Uh, so I'll give Seattle a shot down there. And one total, maybe San Diego, Texas under. Joe Musgrove has been consistently excellent for the Padres. One nine nine ERA across his last eleven starts. Maybe San Diego, you lay a price a little bit there on the five inning line whenever he pitches isn't a bad idea too. But they've all been mostly all low scoring games with with Musgrove and Dane Dunning off of his worst start for Texas this year. But he's been pretty consistent. Road two seven nine ERA. If you can find an eight and a half out there, which there are a few, I'd look under that one in San Diego tonight. Chris Marshall with Vegas Insider and CBS Sportsline. Always a pleasure. I think Jimmy will be back next week. That's what we're hearing, uh, outside sources. But you never know. So I'll be here next week, I promise you, Bruce. I will be, too. Very good. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Bruce Marshall, uh, with us every Friday. We'll take a break. Uh, Tim Brando uh, is uh, ready now uh, up in Natchitoches, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame induction class. Chris Ross Voglu still later on in the hour from Saints Camp. A lot to do here at Rafino's 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Live at lunch. Supreme Rice and SupremeRice.com, our friends down in southwest Louisiana, putting out a fantastic product. And we tell you all the time that you know we want to support our Louisiana farmers. Supreme Rice is doing that. They're working with the Climate Smart Program. They're talking about maintaining sustainable 
farming practices. We're talking about reducing methane emissions, supporting water conservation. This is going to positively impact the longevity for future generations. Supreme Rice has been down in Crowley in southwest Louisiana since the 1930s, so they know a thing or two about putting out a quality product and being very conscious of the environment as well. So when you go to your uh, AG food stores, your Walmart, your neighborhood stores, and your Rouse's, anywhere you buy rice, make it Supreme Rice. You're going to get a great product, and you're going to get more for your money. So if you're making a jambalaya, you're making an etouffee, red beans and rice, any dishes that contain rice, make it Supreme Rice, whether it be in the brown, the long grain, the medium grain, or the jasmine. For more information, some unique recipes, go to supremerice.com. Live at lunch with Ott and Hanny from Rafino's on Highland Road on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Back here at Rafino's live at lunch. We're going back to Natchitoches and the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame 2023 induction class uh, this weekend uh, up in Natchitoches. Our friend Tim Brando uh, is there. Timmy B, how you doing? Charlie, I'm great. It's a fantastic uh, weekend and we look forward to all the festivities. I did opt out of bowling in Alexandria today to be with you. I know they're really missing me there on the lanes, but, you know, I just am tired of trying to challenge Kent Lowe for bowling, facility, uh, for, you know, supremacy in, in Louisiana. So, you know, he's already in that Hall of Fame, too. So I wasn't going to give he, that a try. <laughs> he is the undisputed king of that program. Uh, don't, uh, don't, don't bowl against Kent Lowe for money, for sure. No, uh, indeed. Tim... Tim, when you look at this induction class, uh, you covered so many events and so many of these inductees over the years. What what stands out? There's got to be a story, uh, a, a spotlight, a, a you know, a highlight for you uh, for uh, a couple of these guys or you know any of the inductees this year. Well, Charlie, the thing that, that jumps out always at these for me, and and uh, I really got heavily involved. Uh, with what the Hall of Fame was doing probably 20 years ago, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and even more so uh, since our friend uh, Ronnie Rance uh, became the, the man in charge. And, and Ronnie's done a hell of a job and I think has made uh, Louisiana, all of it, you know, both South and North Louisiana, aware of what the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame is and really what it means. And, and the thing that you learn is that we have uh, – so much more to be proud of than we ever realized in Louisiana when it comes to all sports and in every area of the state. And because I grew up in North Louisiana, I was, uh, and I've lived, you know, uh, in Monroe when I was in school, I lived, I was born and raised in Shreveport. I lived and jettisoned my career in many respects in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And even though I didn't live in uh, the Acadianas, I never lived in Lafayette. You know, I've been down there so much, and I know so many people from there. I really do feel like I know the entire state. And I've always felt that that's been Louisiana's Achilles heel, that we were not as aware of other parts of our state as we needed to be. It didn't matter where you live. It just mattered that it seemed that we were too parochial in our understanding of what, what really our state as a whole has accomplished. And... Each year at these things, you find it out. Let me give you an example with maybe, oh, let's go with four or five different representatives in this class, okay? Uh, I'll, I'll mention first Elena Beard, an incredible talent, played her high school ball uh, at Southwood High uh, and was on her way to becoming 
one of the greatest female basketball players of all time, not just in Louisiana, but everywhere, anywhere. And, of course, had a tremendous career at Duke and at a time when women's college basketball was really beginning to take off. And if you've ever met her, you'd know that she was every bit the person that she is a basketball player. Um, and then you look at, uh, by example, Eli Manning, who will make history uh, as the first uh, family from Louisiana. And the Mannings are from Louisiana, despite what some of the guys over 70 might think. <laughs> Since Archie <laughs> moved to New Orleans, he raised that family uh, in, in the Garden District, and, and they are Newman High School stars. To have three members of one family in the in the Hall of Fame, that's never been done. And by the way, I'm happy to report that uh, one of the uh, the families that had two members, Dub Jones and Bert Jones, uh, Bert's going to be there and will we'll be seated alongside uh, Eli and a few others at his table to welcome him in and to, to say, you know what, hey, uh, think about this. When Eli was uh, watching his dad go into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, he was playing in a uh, he was playing in a youth league. Think about this: a youth league flag football uh, playoff tournament, thirty five years ago. Okay, and when Peyton went in, which was in uh, two thousand nineteen, obviously it signaled the start that when Eli became available, we we'd have three. Look at LSU just as a whole: Paul Bird who helped pitch his Tigers to a national championship with Chad Oje and others. And, and to see what Paul has become as a broadcaster in Atlanta is just, uh, it, it, as a former Braves broadcaster, and to see Paul doing what he's doing in Atlanta right now is just amazing to me. And he it was a gregarious personality when he played and he pitched for, for Skip. And then, and then there's Paul Maneri on the very year that uh, LSU reclaims the national championship. Uh, I think it's just poetic justice in a lot of ways that Paul would be uh, inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame for all that he did. And let's face it, uh, much of what that team was able to accomplish uh, in the World Series this past year, the seeds were sown for their success when Paul Maneri recruited them. So it's, uh, those are just four examples, and there are many, many others, obviously, that I, could, uh, that I could get into. Ron Washington, for instance, an unbelievable story. Now the Braves third base coach, former manager of the Rangers, uh, a career baseball guy who, uh, you know, is just beloved by everyone everywhere. To think of his Louisiana roots is really strong. You know, we had a chance to visit with Wendell Davis when uh, his induction was announced uh, yeah. earlier uh, last year. And, Tim, one of my favorite uh, LSU games ever was the 87 Gator Bowl when Tom Hodson uh -huh. and, and Wendell Davis just carved up that South Carolina Black Death defense. I believe you were at ESPN <laughs> uh, at the I time. If it, and uh, so you have that, that game uh, was one of the best uh, that, that LSU had played really at any point in the 80s, it was against a very highly ranked South Carolina team, and Davis and yep. Hudson just had the, the day of days that day. Yeah, they did. And, and remember, that was a team that had some celebrated players and receivers on that team, a program that uh, gave us Sterling Sharp uh, and, and many others. The, the, the thing I remember about Wendell, and, and I jokingly call him Wendell still, I was a young broadcaster uh, at WAFB, and I'd just gotten to ESPN in 86. And that particular year, you might recall, Bill Arnsparger took LSU to the SEC championship, and they beat Alabama in Legion Field in Birmingham. You go back to that era of LSU football, 
Uh, Wendell was such a humble guy, and he was from my high school, you know, in Shreveport at Fair Park High School. And I remember telling him, and this is just, you know, the uh, it'll tell you also something about me, ever the self promoter. I said, Wendell, I said, you're, I said, listen, you need to, you need to uh, promote yourself better. I want you to start calling yourself Wendell. And he said, What are you talking about? I'm Wendell. <laughs> I said, Yeah, but I said, but Wendell sounds faster, don't you think? You know, he was known as a route runner, a guy that was precise in everything that he did. I said, you know, you need to get more credit for, you know, the vertical passing game. And I know you're not considered a speed merchant, but when you when somebody says Wendell, they think fast. <laughs> and uh, we had a, we had a lot of great conversations, and and that's a, that's a, another great story of a young man that's done, you know, so much. And I think because his career was cut short as a pro. It took him a little longer to get in than it really should have. It took a lot of convincing, I think, by some of the voters up my way to help get a number of the other voters uh, in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame to understand that Wendell Davis uh, probably should have been uh, in the Hall of Fame a long time ago, and I'm glad that he's finally getting in. Tim, we uh, we can't let you go without uh, – I need to get your reaction, and we could do an entire show, uh, more than one show on this. But yesterday, the expected move, if you've been paying attention, like you, uh, like you tweeted out, the Colorado to the Big 12, you broadcast a lot of Big 12 games. The future of that league and potential for more expansion and what's left uh, and what will happen with the remains of the Pac-10, 12 uh, – the, the whatever yeah yeah exactly. yeah we might need to uh we we, we might need to uh, to recategorize all of college football's conferences by putting big and then asterisk <laughs> yeah, <laughs> next to exactly. the big because we don't know what the numbers are going to be short term but uh this was going to happen from the moment Deion Sanders was hired and uh you can look along my social media timeline um Charles and see that I I was very upfront about it I think Deion left uh, Jackson State for this job in large measure because he knew the potential was going to be even greater by going to the to the Big 12. And I, I think he got some assurances from the Colorado people that this was in play. Uh, it makes just a lot of geographic sense for him from a recruiting standpoint. You know, when Colorado was great under Bill McCartney and Les Miles was on the staff, along with Gary DiNardo of that McCartney team that won the national title in 1990, they were recruiting kids out of South Central Los Angeles during a time when L.A. was going through some issues and some strife within its uh, major metropolitan urban areas. And Colorado was seen as a safe haven for a lot of those young recruits. Well, that's not the case now. You know, times change, geography changes. And what I think Dion sees in coming to the Big 12 and what Colorado sees is a chance to get into the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex which is going to be a fertile recruiting ground for him moving forward. And let's face it, Brett Yormark is a progressive, uh, brash, uh, uh, you know, changer. You know, he's a, he's a playmaker. He wants to change the complexion uh, of Big 12 football. He wants more access on the broadcast. He's even suggested that a USFL-type approach to the way the game telecasts take place he's even told that to his television partners he knows that the sec and the the big 10 are the big kahunas and that the big 12 is not as rich but he wants to create new revenue streams he wants to create interest Dion certainly helps in that area 
and Colorado's emergence not only brings Denver a strong marketplace, which is sorely needed in the Big 12, which has a lot of teams, as you well know, that, uh, that don't garner big television ratings. This will help in that area. And with Oklahoma and Texas gone, then bringing in these teams like UCF, like Houston, BYU, uh, to go along with uh, you know a program like Cincinnati, which knocked on the door of the college football playoff and got through a couple of years ago, you had Deion Sanders in Colorado. This is going to really help uh, bring some attention to what's got to be considered the third best overall autonomous five conference in college football. So it is a perfect match at the perfect time, in my opinion, and we're going to see more. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I think you'll see the corner schools in the Pac-12, Arizona, Arizona State. I think you'll see uh, Utah uh, follow uh, Colorado in all likelihood. Arizona is probably the, the, the next team to keep an eye on. They may make, be the first one to make a jump uh, to the Big 12 after Colorado. Tim, we'll wrap it up with this. I, and I, I certainly understand the impact that Dion has. But this for the Big 12 is a long-term uh, commitment. It's got to be about more than Dion. Dion, five years from yeah. now, oh, may yeah. be the coach somewhere else. Uh, and I would say the <laughs> yeah. same thing about their pursuit of UConn. Uh, I heard this. Sure. Well, you know, Jim Moore has got that program going the right direction. He does, but he's not going to coach there forever. So this has got to make right. sense for the league past any one individual exactly. coach, correct? Yes. Yes. Well, you got to think big picture today. I mean, you can't just be thinking about what's happening in the here and now. The here and now really does matter. And it has been said, and I agree, uh, without Dion, what does Colorado really bring? That's a legitimate question, but I can tell you what they bring, and that is a, a history and tradition of their own that people have forgotten about. I mean, even before McCartney built the Colorado program to become a rival of Nebraska in the old Big Eight, Eddie Crowder had a lot of success. Uh, in the 60s and 70s there. It's not like Colorado doesn't want to be good and never has been good in football. They have been. Uh, they just got away from it, and their administration and their state, in a lot of respects, went heavy duty to the academic side, really started railroading athletics after the, um, uh, the exit of, of Gary Barnett as head football coach, and the political left took over that particular university. Well, now we've seen a complete changeover in what Colorado sees as being successful as an academic and athletic institution, and that is one will always help the other. And, and so I think that's one of the reasons they wanted the Big 12. If you go to Big 12 locations, Charlie, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's very much like the SEC, only a little smaller. Okay, Every campus is pumped. Every campus embraces college football. But places like Manhattan, Kansas, and Stillwater, Oklahoma, and Waco, Texas, are not as large as Knoxville, Tennessee, Athens, Georgia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay, so bringing in Colorado brings them the Denver television market and brings Boulder, a gorgeous city, into their league. And, you know, so the combination of all those, those things do help some in the here and now. But for the long term, as you suggested, all the decisions that are being made in college football have to be for that because of the length of these television rights. And these new television rights are about to go into play beginning next season. And, of course, that encompasses the college football playoff television rights, which are being negotiated now to start in 2026. We'll be in the last year of the old deal with the first 12-team format next season. But the new TV deal will be struck in 26, and in all likelihood we may see 16 teams rather than 12 then. 
Tim, we always appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend. I know you will at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame inductions, and we'll catch up with you uh, when the season gets going. You got it, Charlie. And I urge all my friends in Baton Rouge, I know a lot of people from from uh, Tiger Athletic Foundation who sponsors the luncheon that I host tomorrow. I know they've made the trip up north, and I'm telling you, if you've not been to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, you've really missed out. It's, it's, a, it's something to be proud of, and I urge everyone from down there, if you ever have a chance to come anytime, not just for this weekend, but anytime. Stop over in Natchitoches and take a look. Tim, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You bet. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back. We're going to Saints Camp. Chris Ross Vogelou from Boot Crew Media when we return here at Rafino's Live at Lunch, 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Live at Lunch. Getting close to fantasy football time. Fantasy football draft is going to be going on in the month of August. We encourage you to make your fantasy football draft at Big Mike's in Denham Springs right there on Aspen Boulevard. Numerous uh, rooms that uh, they can kind of uh, fit to your size, you know. Uh, The pullouts and things like that. You want a bigger room, you want a smaller room. All your food and drinks are right there. You can watch the games uh, while your draft's going on. You don't have to go home and have that conversation with your significant other. Say, yeah, yeah, I need 10 people over here at the house all day on Saturday. Let Big Mike's take care of that for you. Make your uh, reservations right now. Live music at Big Mike's every weekend. And happy hour from 3 until 7, Monday through Friday. Friday means two twenty-five beer, three dollar three dollar well drinks, and four dollar wine, and that's all day on Sunday, starting at eleven o'clock. High school football uh, about a month or so, a little bit better than a month away. Big Mike's is always open late after the game, so if you're heading out in Ascension Parish, Livingston Parish, East Baton Rouge, you go on uh, to Big Mike's after the game, family friendly. Located on Aspen Boulevard with the Denham Springs Hall of Fame in the lobby. You've seen them on Bar Rescue. Go experience it for yourself. Big Mike's, we're kind of a big deal. Live at lunch with Ott and Hanny from Rafino's on Highland Road on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. It is restaurant week here at Rafino's. Uh, they're on the $60 tier here, three-course dinner. The shrimp and eggplant, eggplant fra diablo is a uh, part of your appetizer features. I've already had some uh, rave reviews on that here. Or the smoked pork bellies with jalapeno corn cakes and seared filet tips. Second course, the shrimp and butternut squash bisque. And the third course, Pork chop marsala, grilled salmon piccata, or veal sorrentino. That's here at Rafino's. Let's go down uh, to New Orleans and uh, Chris Ross Voglu with Boot Crew Media. Chris, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. All right. It's uh, day three of Saints camp. Trevor Penning uh, back out uh, for practice today. The right side of the offensive line getting a, a Veterans Day off. And what else uh, caught your attention uh, at uh, Saints camp this morning? Yeah, so you mentioned Trevor Penning. His return, you know, really capped off by a big screenplay uh, down the field for Alvin Kamara to, to really ignite the passing game. And that's something where when we talk about Trevor Penning and his potential, that's what I kind of think about. I think about what he can bring to the table with his speed and size and his overall strength. And if he can get the screen game rolling, that makes life easier for Derek Carr. It opens things up for Pete Carmichael. Uh, so that was a big one. Uh, on the concerning side of things would be Trey Turner going down, but if we're going to keep it on the positive side, uh, I'd say that's the third day in a row that Peyton Turner looks like a real playmaker. And, again, it's only training camp. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to produce some games. Uh, but he seems to be a guy who is ascending, and, and boy, do the Saints need that because the defensive line has some question marks. They're giving him some uh, a lot of looks with the ones, uh, correct, Chris? 
Turner I'm talking uh, about? Yes. So where does that uh, – Carl Granderson, uh, I'm assuming, is taking reps with the, the second team. I'm, I'm trying to get an idea of the defensive end rotation here. Yeah, right now it seems like it's Granderson and, and Turner kind of, you know, rotating in and out at that spot opposite of Cam Jordan. And I think those will be the two – week one guys that you're going to see, right? Like, I, I think right now the edge has to go to Peyton Turner if we're just going off the first three days, although Carl Granderson's been the better better pro so far in his career. Uh, I would say it's most likely Turner starting week one if I'm going off what we've seen the last three days. But Carl Granderson's still getting his reps, and I think he's someone who the Saints believe can kind of build off what he did at the end of last year. So I would go with those two, and then Fosky would be behind them. Maybe he could work his way up as the season progresses. But I definitely see the edge is between Turner and Carl Granderson, and we'll probably see them put a good amount of those reps off to the Cam Jordan. What do you think of Foskey? His all of his what I call counting numbers were really good: size, speed, and production at, at Notre Dame. I was surprised he didn't go higher in the draft. What's he look like? He looks pretty good. I think for Foskey, it's just getting used to the game speed and maybe adding another move to his pass rushing arsenal. And I, I think he's a guy who is exceptional at Notre Dame. And the one thing I love about what he did during his time, especially the last two seasons, it's one thing to, to come up with a big play to make the sack. It's the other to force that game-changing play. And he did that a lot, seven forced fumbles in his last two years of college. So I think the Saints are still going to have a package for him to get on the field. It might just take a little bit longer than what people want. I don't know if week one or week two will see him have a huge impact. But I could, I see him by October making an impact on this team and getting some reps uh, with the starters. I definitely can, but he's looked fine. He's got an NFL body already, so that's a good thing. Uh, I think it's more about just adding a little bit more and, and making sure he's using his arms correctly when he's getting around the corner. In the secondary, I, do, I don't know that it – maybe you, you feel differently. I don't know that it makes a, a ton of difference whether Paulson Adebo or Alante Taylor goes out there for the first snap of any game because I think they're both going to play a lot. But give us an idea of what that rotation has been at the corner opposite, uh, opposite side of Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, it's been really fascinating because when Adebo's out there opposite of Marshawn, uh, the Saints kind of let Alante Taylor go into the slot and see what he can do there. And, and that's why I'm not totally pressed about this quarter, cornerback battle because I think uh, you can move Alante into the inside of the, the slot if you want to. There's also going to be moments where all three of them are going to be on the field anyway. And Dennis Allen mentioned that today when he talked about it. He said he's looking for consistency. He's making sure that he's looking at, at whether or not they're giving up the big plays. Saints want to minimize the damage in that department. Uh, and then he said, you know, regardless of who gets that starting spot, uh, both guys are going to see the field. And it's a luxury for the Saints to have three outside cornerbacks. But what you're seeing out there, your typical, just honestly, just taking turns opposite of Marshawn. But for Alante, what I'm fascinated to see is how does he progress in the slot? Because if he progresses well there, the Saints might think, all right, those are our three, regardless of who wins that outside spot. And Adebo doesn't really have the luxury of being able to be interchangeable with outside in the slot like Alante does. But overall, it's been a fun battle so far. I wouldn't say anyone particularly has the edge at the moment. And I would say Adebo looks healthier relative to what he did last year, which unfortunately that sophomore season kind of got derailed by injuries. What has uh, Jimmy Graham looked like? I know he showed up in shape, uh, and there's a difference between being in shape and being in football shape, you know, that half step. Uh, so I got no idea, no uh, doubt that he's in great condition, but what does the football look like? 
Yeah, it's fascinating to me because, you know, first off, the teammates are all raving about him. I think they're so ready, especially the tight end room, to kind of pick his brain because he is one of the best tight ends over the last 10, 15 years that this game has seen. But I still have questions about what will he be able to bring to the table outside of the red zone because the speed's not there. The size obviously isn't going away. He's not changing from six foot seven anytime soon. He's still got reliable hands. And I do think to some degree, the ability to make those acrobatic catches is still there. But the burst is not, and, and maybe that's something that will come later this year. Uh, it is worth noting that he was involved in an accident earlier this year, and he did have to get surgery. So maybe that's part of the factor of him taking more time to get up to speed in terms of how quick he looks. But that's the one question I have is I don't know if Jimmy Graham's going to be able to make a lot of plays in space. And, and obviously that's something he was so good at early on in his career. And is it worth keeping a roster spot for a guy who might be primarily used at the goal line? I'm not sure that's a decision that the Saints are going to have to make, but I want to see a little bit more in terms of the overall speed from Jimmy Graham because right now it's not up there compared to, let's say, the rest of the room with Jawan Johnson, with Taysom Hill, with Foster Moreau. What do you think of Jake Hayner, uh, the the rookie quarterback? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of positive vibes around him. What's he look like on the field? Yeah, he looks really good. And Jake Hayner is one of those guys that the prospect, you've you got to love – what he's done uh, at Fresno and you got to love the intangibles. The only concern people could really have is the size. And, and it's a very fair concern because when you're going up against these NFL caliber defensive linemen, it could get scary, but he looks very poised. His footwork is just off the charts. And that was the one thing that people raved about a lot in this draft class was he's got very mature footwork. You see a lot of quarterbacks. They need to work with these gurus. They need to figure out how they kind of improve that part of his game. It's ready to go, but he throws the ball with a lot of zip. Uh, he's looked really mature out there. Uh, and I think right now it's all about seeing how he looks in the preseason. Because if he looks really good, all of a sudden the Saints have a decision to make where it's like, okay, we might have three quarterbacks. Do we consider shopping uh, a one you know, for a team that's desperate if their quarterback goes down? Those are options that might be presented to the Saints later this summer, depending on how everything shakes out. But he's looked great so far. There hasn't been a moment where it looked like the game was too big for him. It didn't look like... He needs an entire red shirt year to figure out the NFL game speed. He just processes extremely well. So it's been all, all green flags so far with him. Last thing, Chris, it's hot every August here, uh, and we're almost to August. But this year we have had record-setting heat. I'm not sure how much hotter it could get here uh, than you know, some of the August of past where I've covered practice or even back when I was playing uh, in high school. But – the temperatures suggest that it is uh, the, the heat index that it's hotter. How are they handling that? Uh, and any adjustments to the training schedule? Uh, it's going to be interesting. I would love to see next week if the Saints think about kicking it inside for a little bit because I, I think the one thing I'd like to say about this week in terms of cramping and you know the heat being a factor, it wasn't a huge issue for these guys. But I don't know if you want to push your luck back-to-back weeks of just nonstop grueling practices. So they'll be out on the field tomorrow. I'd imagine again outdoors, but. I think for, for the Saints and Dennis Allen, you got to consider about maybe one of these days kind of kicking it inside just to give these guys a break. And you might be able to ramp up the, the intensity when you're inside for a little bit too. So I think at some point next week we might see the shift. Uh, but for now, I'd expect them to be outdoors at least one more day before they get that day off on Sunday. Chris Rosvoglu, Boot Crew Media, we always appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week as we move into week two of Saints camp. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. Have a great weekend. We'll take a break, come back and wrap things up here at Rafino's. This is Live at Lunch, 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Live at Lunch. 
Live at lunch with Ott and Hanny from Rafino's on Highland Road on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. At 10 under par, he's got a one-shot lead over Emiliano Grillo and JT Poston, who are just finishing up their rounds. J.J. Spawn, David Lipsky, and Lee Hodges, one back. A couple guys going off late this afternoon, hoping to put up some good scores. Um, Hideki Matsuyama, Brant Snedeker at 7 under par. Snedeker spent quite a bit of time away from the game with injury, has missed four straight cuts, but we'll see if he can get his patented iron play and putting going uh, this weekend for the duration of the tournament. Also of note, uh, we're looking at about three or four under par uh, cut line. Our consensus picks this week, Aaron Rye is at that four under par mark with one hole to go, very scorable 18th. And this afternoon, still to tee off, Shez Reeve at two under par and Lucas Glover at even. Tony Finau, pre-tournament favorite, uh, is five under, teeing off right now uh, as we speak, right? Yeah, started uh, six under par through the first five holes yesterday, but kind of waned off a little bit. Driver got a little erratic, got to hit fairways this week. Six under par for five holes. It's video game stuff. (laughs) Pretty good. All right, uh, thanks to uh, everybody. Busy show today. Uh, The... uh, festivities going on uh, up in uh, Natchez, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Also, big MMA card uh, tomorrow night. Dustin Poirier uh, on the court uh, tomorrow night. Max, uh, you're gonna, I know you're going to be uh, glued in uh, to that. Yes, uh, big um, Spence and Crawford. The boxing match might be the best of the decade. And then, yeah, fantastic fight card UFC. A lot of close fights on the main card, but Poirier, Lafayette guy against uh, Justin Gaethje. By the way, news from Adam Schefter, Trey Turner, who just signed with the Saints this week has torn his quad and is out for the year. Okay. Wow. Tough uh, tough go there uh, for, for Turner. I, I thought he was, you know, I, th- I think I said 30, 35% chance to make the team. He's going to not miss the entire season. Restaurant week uh, here at Rafino's, a three-course dinner involving uh, the shrimp eggplant, Fra Diablo, smoked pork bellies, or the seared filet tips, your choice. Uh, the uh, second course, the shrimp and butternut squash bisque. And the third course, pork chop marsala, grilled salmon piccata, and the veal sorrentino are your choices on the $60, uh, $60 tier here at Rafino's. On Monday, we are at Finbaum Sushi Burrito Poke Ramen right next to Rouse's Burbank and Lee. Be into uh, Saints training camp over the weekend, and uh, we'll be getting ready for LSU football starts next week. For Max uh, and Mario, I'm Charles Haniger saying thank you and good afternoon. Stay tuned for Taylor Sharp filling in for Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Live at lunch. Hi, this is Blake Hollingsworth at Hollingsworth Richards Ford. I'm here with Tiger defensive lineman Mason Smith. Mason, I know everybody's pumped up to watch you play some football this year. What's up, Tiger fans? I am excited to get back on the field, but I'm also excited about the deals we have going on here at Hollingsworth Richards Ford. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, get over to 7787 Florida Boulevard today. Or you can visit us online at HollingsworthRichardsFord.com. Go Go Tigers. Tigers! Government Taco is excited to introduce its updated menu. In addition to our award-winning tacos, we now have steak, boudin, and chicken quesadillas, and delicious house-made guacamole. Also new are the mouth-watering brunch tacos, including the SEC steak, egg, and cheese drizzled with chipotle ranch and the legalized potatoes brunch.